You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 256. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizet, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. Is your life shattered? Are are you looking around at the pieces and wondering what in the world happened and how in the world God could use it all? Well, this week's song, Shattered by Blanca, speaks to this. It's a powerful song that came from a sorrowful place in her own life. It leads us to scripture, of course. So let's get into that right now after we listen. If you Blanca wrote this song uh, out of the pain of losing her mom to cancer. And when you listen to the story behind the song, and I'm going to go ahead and link to the YouTube video in the show notes, and you can always find those show notes at michellekneesat.com forward slash 256 for this week. You can really feel the depths of the sorrow that Blanca feels. And yet it reminds me of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, where it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. You know, I wish I didn't know the sorrow of suicide, and yet because God comforted me in my affliction, I have been able to offer comfort to others. I have a friend at work who's received great encouragement from other women who have had cancer and then has in turn offered the same to others. You know, God just often uses his people to comfort other people. And that's still him. That's no less him comforting you. And this song definitely falls into that category for me. However, As with every week, I want to be sure that we spend more time in Scripture than we do anywhere else. So where did I choose to let this song inspire me to go this week? Well, first of all, I like to find places where we can spend more time in larger chunks of Scripture rather than just a verse here or there. And there's nothing wrong with with um, verses who speak to your heart, that you write them on, the, on a postcard and you put them on your mirror and you repeat them and you remind yourself of the promises of God. But I think that, that staying in larger chunks of Scripture will always be a good habit for you to maintain. For me, I thought of a single story, and and then I used the Bible interaction tool exercise of reading in context. And I call these exercises bites. They help us take a bite out of scripture. Cheesy, I know, but it works. Reading in context is my favorite bite, and it forces me to broaden my reading every time. If you read a daily devotional and it has a scripture at the top, 
read the entire chapter, not just the one scripture. You know, maybe it will actually take you in a completely different direction than the devotional did, and that's okay, because the point is just to be inspired to be in God's Word. And the more you're in His Word, the more it will affect how you think and then how you live. It will affect how you speak and how you pray. It truly is the renewing of your mind, as Romans 12.2 speaks of, and God's word washes us. You see, Ephesians 5 tells us that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Now I'm reading through the Old Testament right now and I'm in Leviticus where there are a lot of detailed instructions for worship and sacrifice. You cannot miss the repetitive washing, washing, washing that happens. If you read it and realize how often they would have to wash and you consider that our washing is with the word, you begin to understand how important a consistent intake of God's word really is. It must be a daily practice in some form. Maybe you don't make time in your schedule to write and study daily, to pull out the books and to make your lists and, and interact um, in, with, in that way, but to listen to it and ponder it and keep it at the top of your mind. That's my goal for you. Really, I, I pray for my listeners. I pray for you all the time. And my prayer is that God would give you an unreasonable desire for his word that will lead to an unsurpassable relationship with him. And I hope I'm able to give you some simple tools along the way to help you do that. So when considering a shattered life in scripture, I thought of the widow of Nain. And we read her story in Luke chapter 7. And it's really just a few verses, but it's really, really rich. Let's let's head in over there. Verse 11. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain. And his disciples and a great crowd went with him. And as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier and the bearer stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread throughout the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. So let's use the bites of observation or making some observations and asking questions. My very first question when exploring a text that begins like this, it starts out by saying, Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain. Well, my first question is going to be soon, soon after what? You know, and if I use the bite of consulting section headings in my Bible, I see that the previous section is where Jesus healed a centurion servant. And the chapter right before this one includes Jesus teaching the Beatitudes. So I actually went back and read in context. I read chapter six, seven, and eight, and I kind of kept reading because that's what happens when you read in context, you get lost in the text, which is wonderful. 
But Jesus is coming from Capernaum, and that is where he healed the centurion's servant, and he has traveled to Nain. And I actually like to see things on a map, so I looked it up to see how far Capernaum and Nain were from each other, and I even looked for Nain on Google Earth and discovered that there is a town that is spelled a little differently but is thought to be the same town as the town described here in Scripture and found there's actually a church of the resurrection of the widow's son there, and you can see it on Google Earth. It's kind of neat. And what's the significance of that? Well, maybe nothing, but I find it interesting. And I think that when you can lose yourself in the details of learning something new, that it will make Bible study more fun and something you can enjoy. And when you enjoy it, you tend to not put it off and it tends to stick with you more. And also, I think it helps with the bite of remembering that the people described in the Bible were real. This was a real town with a real widow, and this really happened. And this matters when you're exploring God's word, and it will matter more as we continue our discussion today. All right, some more observations. Uh, Jesus and his disciples and a great crowd tagged along. You know, Jesus and his crowd were approaching the gate as the widow and her crowd were exiting the gate in this funeral procession. And I want to get into Jesus's response a little bit later. But one question I had while I was reading was, what's a beer? (laughs) It's B-I-E-R. And I'm reading in the ESV, the English Standard Version. And if I use the bite of other translations, if I read this verse in other translations, I see it could be translated as a stretcher, a coffin, or an open coffin. And when I use the bite of actually defining the word, like let's look it up in the in in the dictionary, uh, I find that a beer is a flat frame. It's traditionally wooden, but sometimes of other materials. And it says in antiquity, it was often used. Uh, it was often a wooden board on which the dead were placed, covered with a shroud. So if you have a translation that kind of says coffin, you're picturing, you know, like a box, like we would have in t- in the West today. But this was probably just a big wooden stretcher, and the the dead man was on it, probably covered up with a sheet. <laughs> and so this really helps us to as we try to picture the scene. All right. Remember, they're real people and you can picture the scene. And when you slow down, you kind of go, okay. And then you begin to see details that you didn't see before. And we see two crowds of people, one crowd who had been witnessing wisdom and miracles from Jesus, which is why they would have been following him. All right. He taught, he taught the Beatitudes and then he went to, to Capernaum and he did this wonderful miracle for the centurion. And so you've got disciples uh, that were followers of him. Um, they were submitting to his teaching. They were not just observing it, but they all. But it also specifically said there was a crowd as well. So there were all obviously observers as well. Maybe not all of them were disciples. Some of them were just checking it out. And then you've got the other crowd that's with the widow. And this crowd has to be overcome with sorrow and sadness. And so this, the tale of the comparing and the contrasting or the tale of two crowds as you consider that in your head. Now, in between those two crowds lies a dead man on a stretcher. And when Jesus comes up and touches the beer, the bearers stop. And it's no wonder because by touching this open coffin, Jesus would have been rendered ceremonially unclean. It did. It just didn't happen. You just don't touch. Only certain people can touch these things. It's, it's just part of the practice. And so when we consider those funeral customs, the practices of the day, We can assume that the young man would have died either earlier that day or at the most the evening before. 
uh, burial in that climate was never delayed very long. And the burial ground or possibly the caves uh, that he would have been buried in, they would have been outside the village, which is why Jesus and the crowd coming in would have met the mother, son, and crowd coming out. And I think this is a really good time to use the bite of making a list. It's one of my favorites. (laughs) Remember, this is a real town with real people at a real funeral. So let's consider all of the people involved in the story. And so I jotted down this list. I saw Jesus, starting in verse 11, I see Jesus, his disciples, and then a great crowd with Jesus. Remember, I think those are three separate groups of people. I see a dead man, a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town with the widow. And then finally, I see specifically mentioned the bearers, which are the ones carrying the stretcher or the beer. And I want to make some observations and possible conclusions from what we see here. You know, it is so easy to talk about the widow of Nain without understanding her story, without ever really considering the broken pieces of her life. But even her title indicates some of the broken pieces. Um, I have a, a friend who has recently been diagnosed with cancer. And in a video that she posted online, she posed the idea that sometimes we think we will only ever be hit with that one big thing or we've only that one big thing once right but for her um, for other people and and, and in this case for her there just seems to be one big thing after another after another after another and the widow of Nain is like this she's a widow which meant that her husband was gone she already experienced great loss they obviously had a son together a life together we can only hope they had a love together And I'm sure she felt pretty shattered when her husband died. There's so many memories and so many hopes and dreams together that will never come to pass. That's what happens. That's why Blanca was singing about feeling shattered, being shattered by the loss of her mom. There's all these things that you thought you were going to get to do and see and experience that are no longer And perhaps you know exactly how this widow may have felt. Perhaps you've lost a spouse too, or a family member, or someone very, very close to you. And in this culture, the family of the widow would be expected to care for her, and in this case, her children. But she only had one son, and now he's dead too. Her life is shattered. Peace is on the floor, like our song talks about. She is in deep sorrow, and she is in deep need. Now, death in a small Middle Eastern community like this, it would, it would touch everyone. But there would have been a particular concern for the young man's mother because as a widow, she, again, would have relied on her son for support and for security, and now she had none. But the wider community was moved by her plight and turned out in force to show its support. You can see by this considerable crowd. To me, this indicates love and concern for this woman. She was not completely alone. But don't tell her that today, right? Today she's shattered. Now, Luke doesn't mention professional mourners, but they would have been there. The regulations actually stipulated that even the poorest in Israel should hire not less than two flutes and one wailing woman. And their job was to make as much noise as possible so that the family could cry their eyes out without embarrassment. And in this procession, the widow would have been walking in front of her son's beer, not behind, which is why Jesus encounters her first and tells her not to cry. And the ESV says, do not weep, which I think is a very, um, a very poignant word. I mean, it, it, to me, it's a little bit deeper than cry, but I, I love just the compassionate feel for don't cry, you know, please don't cry. And this is what I want to focus on for the rest of the time. 
let's really take a close look at Jesus's response here. Because if your life is shattered right now, I want you to see Jesus clearly. So let's read it again, starting in verse 13. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearer stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Now, I want to look at what Jesus did. So let's pull out all of the verbs in these few verses and make another list. Can you you tell I like lists? It just helps me process things, okay? So there might be a bite that you use over and over that is more meaningful to you. I say go with that. But here's my list. Jesus, he, he saw her and he had compassion on her. Jesus spoke to her. He came up to the bier. He touched the bier. He spoke to the dead man and he gave him to his mother. And if you're sitting in shattered pieces on the floor today, I want to encourage you. Jesus sees you. He has compassion on you. He wants to speak to you. He will be the one to approach your broken pieces and touch them and speak to them. And all of it is a gift. So Jesus saw, he had compassion, he spoke, he came up, he touched, he spoke again, and he gave. So Jesus saw the widow of Nain. And the thing is that he knew every detail of her life. He had seen every tear He knew every broken dream, every lost hope, every joy, and every pain. He saw her. Does Jesus look away? No, he does not. He is moved with compassion. One one translation said, his heart went out to her. So let's use the bite of defining this word too. What is compassion? Well, it's sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortune of others. Jesus cares about your suffering. And Jesus wants to speak to you. He's not telling you to get over it. Just like he wasn't telling this broken, shattered widow to get over it. He's he's telling her not to weep. First of all, because he knows what's on the other side of her interaction with him. But he spoke to her. He approached her first and he spoke to her. Jesus is not looking past you. He sees you and he wants to engage with you. Now, Jesus came up to the bier, and his ways are so unconventional. You know, just when we think we have it all figured out, Jesus goes and acts like no other good Jew around. You know, he touches the bier. Now, I don't know what the significance of touching the bier is, but it sure impacted those bearers, didn't it? it for nothing else, it made them stop in their tracks. But what I see here is that Jesus isn't afraid of dead things. You know, maybe you're shattered from the death of a relationship. But the person on the other side is very much still alive. And Jesus is not afraid to walk right up to the open coffin of your broken marriage and touch it. And then the creator of all the universe who speaks things into existence speaks life right back into the widow's son. Young man, I say to you, arise. And what did the dead man do? He sat up and started talking. There was proof of life immediately. And I love this part. He turned. Jesus turned and gave the son to his mother. He gave the man the gift of life, and he gave the widow the gift of her son back. One of her shattered pieces was mended again. 
Uh, I recently read about a Japanese art called kintsugi, and it is a practice that takes broken pottery and glass, and instead of discarding them, it glues them together with liquid gold or silver, making the cracks part of the art piece. And there are several philosophies attached to this type of art. To name a few, first of all, seeing beauty in the flawed or in the perfect, imperfect. Number two, regret when something is wasted. And number three, the acceptance of change. You see, these pieces that were previously broken and seemingly useless with the mending of the artisan now become more valuable and even more beautiful. We see the beauty in the old rugged cross, do we not? Why is it possible for us to see beauty in a torture device from Roman times, but not in the broken pieces of our lives? Because we know the end of the story and all that the cross represents. Perhaps we should trust the end of the story that our Savior sees as he walks up to us in our brokenness and comforts with the words, do not weep. Now, the second thought of the regret uh, when something is wasted. I mean, I regret when something's wasted. I, <laughs> I wish I would have purchased the magnet for my fridge that I found in a bookstore one day. It said, I have a new head of lettuce here. Should I throw it away now or let it rot in the fridge first? <laughs> Regretfully, this happens in our home way too often. I mean, it's a waste. But God is mending and in, in the mending and restoring business, not the throwing away business. He can take those broken pieces and mend and restore them to a masterpiece never before imagined. And then finally, this idea of the acceptance of change. You know, perhaps you're one who says, sure, those Kintsugi art pieces are beautiful, but I prefer the unbroken, unmarred perfection of the original better. Seeing the beauty in the broken is a gift. The widow was still a widow. Her gift was that she got her son back, but she still had to walk forward into another day where she would have to accept change and future joys and sorrow. And it's the same for us as followers of Christ. We have this ultimate hope and eternity with God in his restored and perfect world. But until then, we must continue on this journey of life with our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The one who sees, has compassion, speaks comfort to us, boldly approaches our problems and dead things in our lives, touches them, speaks new life to them, and gives them back to us. A beautiful new piece of art that celebrates rather than hides the shattering. May you be stronger and more beautiful on the other side of this shattering in your life. So what's next? Well, read Luke 7 for yourself. You might even take the challenge of reading in context, reading chapter 6 through 8 for yourself, for example. If you do that, take a close look at Jesus in all of these stories. Identify those characteristics of your Savior that you may have glossed over in the past interact with the word, make observations, write them in lists, look up words you don't understand, and just enjoy being washed with the water of the word. And while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Michelle at Michelle Nizat. Hop on Twitter at Michelle Nizat or Instagram at Michelle Nizat or Facebook. Michelle L. Nizat is my public page and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank my newest subscribers to my website like Donna from Texas, Summer from Texas, Valerie from Louisiana, Cindy from California, John from the UK, Sandra from Tennessee, Gia from the Philippines, Berta from Germany, and Sue from Colorado. Welcome. 
Now, new subscribers to my website will benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used, that I used on the podcast. It's a great place to start. Subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. And in that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You also get an email recap of the week's episode, and you get instant access to any of the extra resources I create for my episodes from time to time. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for my, for my podcast yet? This really encourages me, of course, but it also stay, helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Of course, you can listen to the podcast through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. We're also on Joy 103.1 every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern. And you can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using Into Dust by Matt Brock to jump into scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 256. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.